This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is Finsider Radio, part of TheFinsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata, joined by Aaron Sutton and Joshua Houts. And we are here to recap the Miami Dolphins game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers preseason game. Dolphins falling to the Buccaneers 14-16, despite a valiant effort at the end to score the touchdown to tie to uh, bring them within one of, of the tying the game. They went for two. They converted a two-point conversion with about 40 seconds left or so. They were not able to hold the Buccaneers from marching down the field and kicking a game-winning field goal with about six seconds left on the clock. And, of course, the Dolphins and Brian Flores did the smart thing after that and just kneeled down the ball after that. Lots of good, lots of bad, lots of ugly, as it is in all preseason games. And we are going to walk you through all that in this episode of Finsider Radio. The full group is here. Sutton's here, and yes, Houts is here as well, despite Woo! his wife giving birth to a baby just over a little over 24 hours ago. Houts, congratulations. Welcome back to Finside Radio, even though you never left, because you are here rocking and rolling one day after welcoming a new daughter into the world. Houts, you are amazing. Your wife is amazing. Your kids are amazing, and we're glad you have entered another Dolphins fan into the world yeah i think the three of us are single-handedly keeping that fan base alive i do need to say my wife is the true mvp getting us out to the out of the hospital in time for the game 
but, you know, I'm just, just thankful to be here and be able to talk Dolphins football. But honestly, I didn't have any more PTO days to use up or I would have missed this podcast. <laughs> you, you're, you're out of PTO days, HR. We checked with HR earlier today. And uh, Kevin yeah. said, nope, you cannot miss any more games or we're going to fire you. So he's laying down the gauntlet as well. Um, but you are here. You are you are ready to rock and roll. Anything you want to share about the, about the pregnancy, about the baby, everything is great. We're assuming everything is fine with mom and, and you and everyone's getting some sleep. Everyone is healthy. Everyone is sleeping right now except for me. I do need to quick tell the story. I told you guys the hospital was 16 minutes away. Tell us the my story. Sister, my sister-in-law stopped to fill up her gas tank because my brother-in-law didn't fill it up. So she got to my house at 5.55. We rushed to the hospital. By 6.15, we had a baby. It was it was crazy, and I was freaking out because it all unfolded right before my eyes, but I didn't think we were going to make it. I thought I'd have to deliver a baby. I'm definitely not capable of that. I'm barely capable of doing this podcast, but uh, everyone's healthy, and I'm just blessed, and that's all I can say. So she got out of the car, into the hospital, delivered a baby in like four minutes? That's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah roughly. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. incredible. It was like nothing I've ever seen. Again, real. she's the true MVP. <laughs> she was like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the end of this preseason game. That freaking Matt Gay, wasn't that his name? He, he hit that <laughs> yeah. field goal. Yep. Devastating. They went the undefeated season. Well, you know, it's better for the Dolphins to get their losses out of the way now because it's really hard to go 19-0 after going 4-0 and in preseason. So get it out of the way and, uh, you know, get those losses out of the way because they're not losing another game come week one. Yeah, there's no way. No way at all. Because we saw some things that are very promising tonight. Uh, in all seriousness, no, the Dolphins have a lot to work on. But there are some things uh, they, they, they can be looking to be proud of tonight. And uh, like we said at the top of the show, there are many things they need to improve on. And uh, there are many things that just don't think is going to get fixed this year. Let's start with... I don't want to start with the ugly, but let's start with the ugly. And again, the offensive line was ugly. The first the first team offensive line, Tunsil played, Kilgore played. It wasn't terrible. He had some time. Uh, Josh Rosen had some time to do what he needed to do. But they were still getting pressure on the interior. Sounds like Brian Flores is going to roll with this thing. He's going to let Michael Dieter and um, Shaq Calhoun take their bumps. And I, I think that's the right approach, especially in a year like this. No one's competing for a Super Bowl. This year in Miami, let them take their bumps, let them figure it out as the season goes on, and let them learn from all of their mistakes that they are making, which now is the right time to make these mistakes. But that first team offensive line, not terrible, and then the second team and the third team came in, and woo, that was a different story. It was just a free-for-all. You knew anytime the Bucks were blitzing that it was most likely going to result in a sack or a throwaway or the quarterback scrambling. The depth is scary on this offensive line, and it's not just a Dolphins issue. I know people are going to say, well, the Dolphins have always had this issue on the offensive line. But if you really take a close look around the NFL, the offensive line is one of the hardest position groups to fill with depth and quality starters. They're just not growing on trees, these quality offensive linemen. So for people to say, oh, this is just a Dolphins thing, you are mistaken. This is a very common theme around the NFL where they're lacking depth on pretty much every team. I mean, you look at the Cowboys, they have an elite offensive line, and then that just kind of pushes down to their depth a little bit. 
But other than that, you know, and maybe a few other teams that I don't know off the top of my head, but other than that, a lot of these teams around the NFL, very poor depth on the offensive line. So Miami is not alone in what they're dealing with. The problem is, though, obviously when it happens during a game, it's if the defense learns how to expose you, then you are in a lot of trouble. And then people may say, well, what if one starter goes down with an injury? Well, that's a little different because let's say a starter goes down with an injury, right? Let's say a Michael Dieter or a Shaq Calhoun, God forbid, goes down with an injury, is out for a few weeks. Well, then you're going to put in a guy from the second string on that offensive line. But the only difference is he's going to be playing against with four other starters, not four other backups. So that's a little bit different there. Nonetheless, though, the Dolphins have some serious work to do on the offensive line. They realize that that's why they fired head coach Pat Flaherty. That's why they promoted coach Googs to the position. And I do expect this offensive line to improve as the season goes on. Bahouts and Sutton, for you, what stood out to you as kind of the glaring weaknesses on that line tonight? I thought it started off okay, honestly. And then around the eight and a half minute mark in the second quarter, is where I think things really started to spiral downward. And it was a it was an exchange where Shaq Barrett had two consecutive oh well he had a sack and then the next play he basically handed his teammate a sack on a silver silver platter. So first one completely unblocked and then the second one he sets up the right tackle outside, spins inside gets right up on the quarterback and his teammate just kind of cleans it up. Hmm. And that, that was a pretty rough stretch there. And then everything after that, it just looked like the pocket was collapsing in different ways on every single drop back for the quarterback. So uh, still a lot of work to be done, but Matthew, you, you've already addressed it. There's just, uh, you know, the NFL is a quarterback starved league, but it's also an offensive line starved league. And these guys are difficult to find. They're, they're tough to groom in college. And then you bring them in to the pros and they don't have as many opportunities with some of the, the limited preseason stuff that you're, you're able to do. I'm sorry, OTA type stuff. So, uh, you know, the guys like Michael Dieter, who maybe a few years ago would have had some more reps up to this point, uh, might be a little bit behind compared to his historical peers so yeah a lot, a lot of work to be done and uh i think coach googs is the guy to do it i don't think pat flirty was the guy to do it yeah and we kind of see why the rumor came out that the dolphins had some interest in trent williams we know whether that's true or not whether they end up giving a pickup for you know a 31 year old veteran with a pretty steep contract is yet to be determined but you can see clearly that the offensive line is a huge weakness for the dolphins you mentioned michael dieter he struggled Jared Jones-Smith, a guy that people thought might be promising. He had a terrible game. Laramie Tunsil, I mean, if you could clone that, man, that is that would be in the Dolphins' best interest because if you could have five Laramie Tunsils, I think his offensive line would be perfect. Clearly, that's not an option. I just hope that these young guys can, you know, gel together throughout these next few preseason games. I think Coach Googs is definitely the guy to get things on the right track. But uh, you mentioned how this team, the, you expect the offensive line to progress into the regular season. I mean, right now they're absolutely atrocious. So to not think that they can get better than that, I think that would be a little bit unfair. I do think that you can kind of see Josh Rosen. I know we'll talk about him later, but you can kind of see the difference between him with that first team and then that second team. Same with Fitzpatrick. Uh, the Dolphins' offensive line is a huge, huge 
weakness of theirs. It's probably arguably the biggest on the team. So like you guys mentioned, in order to be a successful football team, the offensive line needs to do their part. The Dolphins right now do not have a very good offensive line, and you just hope that Coach Gooks can bring things together and get them to where they need to be sooner rather than later. Someone who's going to be running for their life is a starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Um, we saw a little bit of tonight with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The dude probably was like, what is going on here? Why am I behind this offensive line? And maybe he got a little taste of what Josh Rosen has been dealing with the past few weeks as he went behind the second-string offensive liners. But Fitzpatrick at one point just ran out of the pocket and just hit the boomstick on a defender, absolutely leveled him down to the ground. It's all over Twitter. If you need to go find it, you can easily find it on there. Just search Ryan Fitzpatrick, click the video tab, and you will see it. The dude was just, I think he just had it, you know, fed up. I know he said he did it in Tampa. And he's used to doing that. And he actually said the Buccaneer players on the sideline were laughing when they saw it because they've seen it so much from him in practice the past two years when he was a Buccaneer. But you got to think that that was a little bit of frustration as well. Come on. Uh, the dude was running for his life back there throughout the evening. You didn't get a really good look at either quarterback tonight. I mean, it was raining. It was wet. The uh, Dolphins went with a really conservative game plan with running the ball in, a lot in the first half. Um, it's hard to get a good read, but I think we were encouraged by some things with Josh Rosen out there. I think that it is so close that you have to go with Rosen. But I understand why the Dolphins would not go with Rosen, right? Because let's say he absolutely bombs in week one, week two, week three. It's hard to then turn back to Fitzpatrick and then turn back to Rosen. At least if you start Fitzpatrick the first several weeks of the season and he starts struggling, you can say, okay, we're going to Rosen for better or worse because we've seen Fitzpatrick struggle. It's a really tough spot for the Dolphins to be in, but Brian Flores said after the game that Brian Fitzpatrick will most likely start game three, which of course is the dress rehearsal to the regular season. So if they go in the direction that I'm thinking they're going to go, which is what we've talked about on this show, Fitzpatrick the starter until the bye week, bring in Rosen or until Fitzpatrick starts struggling, because at least at that point, the fans will see, everybody will see that Fitzpatrick can't handle it. You put Rosen in there. Even if he struggles, you know that's the best option they have. You ride it out the rest of the way. I mean, if you start Rosen, again, he bombs it the first three weeks of the season. And then you go to Fitzpatrick the rest of the way. I think that's a little odd way to do it. You guys can talk me out of that if you wish. But going back to you know the game on Friday night versus the Buccaneers, I didn't see anything from either quarterback that blew me away at all. I thought there was one really good snap for Rosen, and that was there was some pressure to his left that he saw. He, he kind of peeked over his shoulder and was able to see it. He climbed the pocket, then vetted to his left and squared his shoulders and made a nice throw moving right to left, which is, you know, one of the more difficult throws for a right-handed quarterback. So uh, I, I thought that was a pretty good snap for him. Obviously, he was pretty fortunate to have the, uh, I forget what his name, like Clint Dean or something like that, uh, drop the dropped the interception <laughs> he ended up getting one later in the game but uh rosen threw a duck and oh jamel dean and um clint it's not even close to jamel 
but anyway, he got pretty fortunate that he dropped that one. So uh, pr- pretty up and down for Rosen at this point. And, you know, so now we're, we're walking this fine line. What's the gap between Rosen and Fitzpatrick? And is the gap close enough to justify starting Rosen earlier? On it in an earlier podcast, you know, earlier when this whole competition was going down, we said once you go to, once you turn from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Josh Rosen, I just don't see like Kanata how you can go back. I mean, you look at the first four weeks: the Ravens, the Patriots, the Cowboys, and the Chargers. I mean, personally, I would much rather see Ryan Fitzpatrick go out there and get his butt handed to him. You know, go out there and have those good games. You know, maybe stay competitive. And then bring in Josh Rosen after the bye. I just think that once Brian Flores went out there and said, you know, I'm going to have a competition throughout this entire roster, everyone was obviously going to flock to the 37-year-old. I mean, even Josh Rosen praises him for his mentorship and what he's what he's brought to him and how he's helped him along to develop. So, I mean, once you say it's a competition, I just don't see how you could have taken it from going from Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, the, the veteran, the guy that can go in there and get his butt kicked in the first four weeks, do what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. He's going to have the 400-yard game in there. You know, he's going to look great in one game, and then he's just going to look awful. And by then, you bring in Josh Rosen, you know, I, I just feel like that is the best route to go. Do I think that the the difference between the two is that steep? I don't. I think if you're looking at this team for the future, Josh Rosen is the guy that you're obviously going to, to give a chance out there. And I do think that he has shown – that he could be possibly the better of the two quarterbacks. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't great for, per se, and yes, he has those good games, but I think what Josh Rosen has done, I mean, we talked about that second-team offensive line. It's absolutely atrocious. He he did pretty well in that first game. Even today, I mean, there was some good, there was some bad. That one throw that, that Sutton mentioned that should have been intercepted, I have no idea what he was doing there. It looked like a miscommunication in Preston Williams. But at the end of the day, I mean, Josh Rosen was making plays. You know, there were some throws that his receivers dropped, Preston Williams being one of them. So, I mean, he went out there, he did what was asked of him, and I just feel like this whole offseason has been the coaching staff just putting one hurdle after another he putting his back against the wall and seeing how he would overcome that adversity I think Josh Rosen's done a very good job I think he's further along his development than any of us gave him credit for I mean the guy was just said he learned how to identify a Mike linebacker I mean that's kind of basic stuff I mean you see him he always says one day after another he's putting those days one after another he's getting better each and every day and that's all you can ask for him do I think that he should be the starter absolutely do I think that's the route they're gonna go I don't I think it'll be Fitzpatrick's team I think you let him go in there Take his licks, and then from there on, it's Josh Rosen's team until you decide that you have that evaluation on him, and then you go into that 2020 draft. You're either going after a quarterback then, or you're heading, or you're heading into the season with Josh Rosen, and you're going to use that plethora of all those draft picks and all that cap space to build around him. And if he can't succeed, then he may never succeed. I got a laugh house because it sounded like you were talking 800 miles per hour right there, like literally just boom. Like I pressed fast forward on the button and just like sped up the tempo on that. You I want to run through a wall. You are could, could riled, you, you are riled up right yeah, now. I am. I'm sorry. That, don't be sorry. You just had a kid. You're probably haven't slept in days. No, he's probably pulling an Adam Gase and sniffing some freaking <laughs> smelling salts in there or something. Right? That was I, I nuts. Think, I think my wife did get lightheaded. They gave him to her, and I was like, "Oh, really? you're Adam Gase right now." Yeah, oh, yeah. Like they're man. like, "You need to wake up," and she's like, "Damn, that did work." And I was like, "That's Adam really? Gase." <laughs> Adam, Gase probably, Adam Gase is probably tired as all hell, and then he just uses that to just wake his ass up throughout the entire game. That's my guess. It's got to be the, wise eyes where insane. they are. Anyways, you mentioned <laughs> Preston. You you mentioned Preston Williams. That guy got humbled versus the Buccaneers, didn't he? I mean, he still he still made some. 
He didn't make any like amazing catches like he did week one, but he got humbled a bit. Uh, going up against the ones is a lot different than going up against twos and threes. But he still showed a lot of promise based on his body position. Uh, it was wet, so you could blame that on the drops there tonight. He almost came up with that spectacular catch in the end zone. His foot was just out of bounds before he came down with the ball. But he's going to make this football team. He's going to be a good football player. But it's nice to see him at least battling some adversity early. Going to be really interesting to see how he bounces back next week when he gets back into the game. Any thoughts on that before we move over to the defensive side of the ball? Well, earlier in the week, I had Shane Tyler, who's the film room director at the Pro Football Network, and he brought something to my attention when he was looking at Preston's tape and that there's a little idiosyncrasy that he has when he's catching the ball and that, you know, the preseason first game, it, it worked for him. But, you know, I, I kind of asked, is this something that could catch up with him or is it something that he will just overcome all the time? He, he wasn't aware at the time. Um, but it's kind of one of those things to just monitor that if there are any drops next week or, or the week after, then uh, I, I think you get, kind of have to put that in the back of your mind that there might be a catch thing with Preston. Yeah, and you do got to keep in mind that they was pouring there. I think they mentioned it all week long or a little bit during the game. I mean, that's no excuse. Some of those passes were right on target. He should have made those catches. They were catches that he made, you know, the week prior. I, I would have loved to see him keep that toe in bounds and make that insane catch because that, that was a thing of beauty. And I think we all would have lost our mind and we'd be singing a whole different tune if he would have made that catch. But I think you take the first game, you look at that. Okay, he, he looked great. He looked like a world beater. He was going against inferior talent, obviously. Today against the starters a little bit, you know, struggled a little bit, had those issues that, like Sutton said, with catching the football. It's going to be very interesting to see where he starts next week on the depth chart, for one, and then how he plays and performs. Because, you know, if he's in there with Ryan Fitzpatrick, if he's a starter, uh, I don't know that him and Fitzpatrick have that same repertoire that him and Rosen do. And I think that could speak volumes, you know, for what Preston Williams' success could be early on in the season if they do turn to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But again, I won't put too much stock into it. The guy's a lock on the 53-man roster. I don't think anybody can sit here and argue that. Uh, but whether or not he's going to continue to be this, I jokingly said Randy Moss, I don't know. You know, I think a lot more people are, are realizing, you know, this guy is come back down to earth. Let's see what he does next week, and let's yeah. maybe pump the brakes on calling him a Hall of Famer like I jokingly <laughs> said. Yeah, we all jokingly said it was just of his dominant performance and just the hype that's been around him so far this offseason. But again, let's remember, he's a rookie. Uh, rookie wide receivers don't normally fare well in the NFL. They they tend to take a year or two to really get adjusted. It's almost like that cornerback spot, right? Uh, they take a year or two to get adjusted to the NFL, and then they start bursting onto the scene. Very rarely do you see a dominant rookie wide receiver come into the NFL and be that way year one. Unless you're a, a elite talent, you know, guys like Des Bryant or guys like Julio Jones who just dominated year one. Um, you know, it, it takes some time and it's just the nature of the beast. So one hand, you got to find that medium there. Preston Williams. Yes. Come back down to earth. Let's all come back down to earth on it. But two, let's not come so far down that you're calling the dude a bust already after year one or already after a few weeks into the season. If that is the case moving forward, let's just give rookies time, no matter who they are, no matter what their name is, no matter where they were drafted. And Christian Wilkins was drafted in the first round, picked up a sack versus the Buccaneers, has been playing some decent football. Charles Harris on the defensive line next to him got some nice pressure on the cornerback tonight. He looked good. He was uh, beating the offensive tackle with his hands. He was pushing them into the pocket. 
I, I think Charles Harris might have found a good area, a good position for himself in this 3-4 hybrid defense, which he was always best suited for coming from college anyways. So if he can keep continuing with that, he is going to not really live up to his first-round pick. It's not his fault he got drafted there, but he's going to be a serviceable player here for the Miami Dolphins and here in the NFL for several years. Moving away from Charles Harris, and you guys can jump back on this too, I just want to mention Jerome Baker. We've all been hyping this dude up for the past several weeks, and for very good reason. We were we found out earlier this week that he is going to wear the green dot on his helmet, which means he's the quarterback of the defense. That's incredible. For a second-year player, a late-round, a mid-round draft pick, who many people, including myself, did not like. And now he is the best linebacker on the team, and you're going to see him on the field a lot. Blitzed quite a bit against the Buccaneers. Had Jameis Winston in his grasp, he slid, slipped away. But later in the game, was able to bring down the quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, and, and end the drive there uh, on one of the drives. But Jerome Baker, man, what a phenom. What a great player. The Dolphins secondary has a lot of concerns. Uh, after Xavier Howard, you're looking probably at Eric Rowe as cornerback number two. Walt Agan's back in the box, maybe. or in the, in the, Yeah, Walt Agan's back in the block, box or the depth. Bobby McCain, possibly safety if he continues there. Minka Fitzpatrick to kind of rover all over the place there. A lot of mixing and matching going on to get the best players on the field, but it's not necessarily being done in the greatest way because you have to mix and match because you don't have good depth in other positions. House Sutton, I gave my rundown of the defense there. Just a little quick overview. What are your thoughts on what we saw against the Buccaneers? Man, he didn't even mention the player that probably had the best game tonight. That's Sam McGloven. He was all over was the field that tonight. For you I mean, guys. That guy belongs I, in the NFL. I mean, he uh, huge tackle for loss with the very first possession. He had the forced fumble, gave the team good field position. I he he was he was the best player on on defense in my opinion. And you know he's he's moved around pretty good too uh, from what I've seen. So you know. House Baquan needs to come back really fast or, you know, this is going to be uh, an interesting linebacker group in the way that the snaps shake out. Yeah. And you mentioned Baquan and you got to say the same thing for Kiko Alonso, right? I think he's still in a walking boot, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he might be, you know, the worst of those linebackers that we talk about. We know Raekwon had a strong last uh, quarter of the season. We know Kiko very good against the run, a liability and coverage. But overall, I think the biggest takeaway was, you know, for all the talk about not having a true pass rusher, the, the Dolphins, you can see, are using these exotic blitz packages and these different schemes and moving these different players around to, to fabricate pressure. You saw it today. You saw the different looks they gave the quarterback. I mean, you mentioned Aguavin. He looked great uh, up front. I mean, Tank Carradine opposite of Charles Harris. I mean, those two guys both were getting pretty solid pressure. You got to love the front with Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, Vincent Taylor being sprinkled in there, Akeem Spence. I mean, I, I think – I keep looking at that first game, and I keep remembering when old Matt Schaub drove 90 yards down. I feel like it was nothing, and now you're looking at this defense slowly starting to progress. You know, last week, Christian Wilkins, we mentioned him. He looked like just another guy last week. He started to come on this week. I just think overall you're starting to see what Brian Flores is. I think he keeps sprinkling in a little bit of these packages and these different looks. I think once the regular season comes, it's going to be an 
in a completely different ballgame. I did mention Brian Flores. Obviously, Patrick Graham's the one calling the plays there, but you can't sit here and say that Flores doesn't have his say or his hand in the defense. But but overall, you sit there and you see the front seven starting to come along. You hope the secondary can kind of come along as well because opposite of you know Xavier and Howard, there's still some question marks there. And you saw you saw Eric Rowe make some plays. You know, Cornell Armstrong's still still in the mix. So I just don't know what they're going to do there with those different looks in the secondary because we know Minka's upset. You know, we know that Rashad Jones is hurt, TJ McDonald's hurt. So I don't know how it's all going to shape up when the regular season comes. But overall, I think what we're starting to see is a defense that's going to be very, very uh, exotic with their blitz packages. They're going to be very unique and, and do things that this defense hasn't done for many years. And that, that to me, gets me very excited. You mentioned the fact that Brian Flores is kind of sprinkling things in there. And I think we saw a little bit of that tonight. But you know Brian Flores. Come on. You know every coach in the NFL in preseason. They're not going to show their hand at all. And we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg here. But you're right. You see how the defense, even during games, right? Because they see the last two games, this game in week one, they started off really slow, right? You're like, uh-oh, this is going to be how it is this whole season. And then as each series went on, they got better and better and better. Now against the Buccaneers, they failed at the end there. But again, these are third and fourth stringers. Probably none of them are making the team. Um, Very few of them are making any NFL roster this season, so you can't put much stock into that. But what you could put stock into is how these guys are being coached, how they're playing, and, you know, what you can take away from it is that this team is going to continue to be disciplined. This team is going to continue to improve. And we're not going to be treading water like we have on their previous head coaches, where it just feels like no matter how many weeks go by, no matter how many series go by, they just can't get out of their own way. The penalties are down. They're playing more disciplined football. It seems like each side of the ball has a flow and rhythm to it, although it was hard to see that with the offense against the Buccaneers, but easier to see with the Falcons. And we'll see how it progresses moving forward, but I'm excited about this coaching staff, guys. I'm very excited about it. I think... I don't want to say it because I might be wrong, but I think they may have. I don't know if they got it fully right because no one ever knows if you got it fully right. But I think they got themselves put in the right direction with this hire. And I think if they hired anyone else, I don't think that they would be on the right path per se because the chemistry within the building between Flores and Greer and everyone else is just so good right now. And it's going to be a lot of dissension to kind of pull them apart which I just don't see happening with this staff in this front office I'm with you man I look at the defense and just like the feeling of of someone who had the trust of Bill Belichick to call the plays to come over I I think that's a distinction that needs to be made from some of the, the predecessors that Bel- Belichick had as defensive coordinators. And Brian Flores is young. And I, I, so I think defensively, we, we, we have a few more pieces in place as well. So I think that we can reasonably expect this defense to be one of the upper tier defenses in the next few years. Yeah, Offense. For- and, and on offense, you already see the kind of short passing game developing. And I, I think that's going to be a staple. I mean, a lot of Josh Rosen's first few passes are were five-step drops. I mean, just getting the ball out quickly and uh, not, not holding the ball on 
No, very long. So that that's going to be one way we can kind of circumvent this offensive line is just getting the ball out quickly. And uh, you have to like Chad O'Shea's scheme if that's going to be what you need to do because that what better what better offense at running the short passing attack than the New England Patriots in the last decade, decade plus? Yeah, and you could say the same thing for the franchise, right? I mean, what better franchise to try to mimic than the New England Patriots and the success they've had? As painful as it is for us to sit here and say it, they have been at the peak there at the top of that that you know the the mountain, and that's where the Dolphins are trying to go. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but I think that's what everyone needs to realize is you know they're building something good here. Their pieces are starting to fall into place. You just got to be in here and trust the process. One thing we didn't even mention was the running backs, and I kind of want to just talk real quick about Mark Walton, Patrick Laird. I mean, Patrick Laird looked like he could be the number three running back on the roster. I mean, yes, he was going against inferior uh, competition, but, I mean, that guy was shifty as F. I mean, he kind of reminded you almost of a quicker Rex Burkhead, you know, and we know how much New England likes to use those different running backs. So it's going to be interesting to see with Kenyon Drake out, you know, which one of those guys is going to step up. We thought it was Mark Walton throughout the week. Patrick Laird seemed to be the guy during games. Uh, but again, I mean, Kenyon Drake is in a contract here. So whether or not he's here next season, they got to start to realize, kind of start to see the the bigger picture and wonder which of those guys is going to be next in line to take that role once he does move on. I absolutely, absolutely think Patrick Laird could make the 53. And uh, my guy that was down at training camp watching him really came away impressed with him even before tonight. So, you know, I, I think he's put enough out there to say, you know, he, he's got some sticking power. We're going to see how more. it all unfolds over the next few weeks. How did you have anything to add before we wrap uh, up the show? I was just going to say something about Jasicki. I mean, you're starting to see him become part yeah. of this passing game and you got to feel excited about that because the guy had 22 catches last year. I made a joke. He's going to have more at the end of the preseason than he did last year. So it's nice to see him get in a rhythm there, you yeah. know, start to build this repertoire with the quarterbacks because in a New England offense, if you have a, a legit seam threat, it's going to make everything around it so much easier. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. We saw him getting a little bit more involved here tonight as well. Dolphins versus Jaguars next week, next Thursday evening. The game will be nationally televised on Fox, 8 o'clock p.m. That is our dress rehearsal before the first regular season game, which kicks off NFL Week 1, kicks off September 5th. The Dolphins will play their first game on Sunday, September 8th, against the Baltimore Ravens at Hard Rock Stadium. Week 4, you probably won't see it. Too many starters, if any at all, so this will be your last chance, more than likely, to see your Dolphins starters in action and complete action before week one of the regular season. This will be the Dolphins' final few weeks to tweak everything and get everything ready as best as they can as we head into the 2019 season. Very promising season, regardless of what, how many wins the Dolphins turn out. Enough wins and you feel like you got a competent coaching staff. Not enough wins and you know you're going to get your quarterback of the future for the next 10 plus years if you draft the right one going to be very interesting to watch going to be very fun to watch and we'll be with you here every single day throughout the season monday through friday obviously today is a special saturday morning episode with the dolphins game being friday evening but outs sutton and myself will bring you all the latest throughout the year on finsider daily and then we'll have a group episode once per week any last thoughts outs and sutton Yes, I have a question for you guys. So my fantasy draft is next Saturday, and I have the sixth pick. So do you yeah. think in that position that I am 
DeAndre Hopkins or Williams TBH. (laughs) So am I going to be DeAndre Hopkins or David Johnson, whoever falls there, or should I be looking at someone else? I I think you should be feel pretty confident that one of those guys will be there. I mean, unless there's some crazy run on running backs or someone really loves Hopkins. I mean, I I think one of those guys should be there. Well, and I'm assuming the top four is going to be gone at that point. So one of those two has to You never know. There's always a crazy person in a fantasy draft that messes everything up. You can't go wrong with either. I'm a running back guy this year because I just feel like the running back depth is very poor in fantasy drafts this season. And there's a lot more value at the wide receiver position. So if I can, I'm skipping wide receivers until the middle rounds and I'm getting my running backs early enough um, or I can scoop up the great ones instead of being stuck with the running back by committee ones. Hopkins mixing. Do Hopkins mixing. I I like that. Hopkins is – you're not going to go wrong with Hopkins. If he's the best player on the board at four, at six, you take Hopkins and don't look back. But – I mean, you don't want to get down the rabbit hole too much. You know, you don't want to start getting a running back nine or a running back 10 when you can get wide receiver one, you know, so you got to just watch that out. Watch out for that as well. And then, uh, and then like second round, I mean, Mixon might be gone already, but if Most Damian likely, Williams yeah. is there, if Damian Williams is there and and Mixon is there, man, that's a tough oh, decision you're, you're taking for me. Mixon all, you're taking Mixon all the way there, in my opinion. You like Williams. We can tell. I'm, I like. I'm a I mixing just, guy. I just believe in Andy Reid running backs. That's yeah, smart. I hear you. That's smart. That's fair. Well, you're just gonna have to keep us posted, sign. And if you want fantasy advice, if you want fantasy <laughs> advice, you can sign up for the Pro Football Network All Access Pass for only thirty dollars a year, seven dollars a month, or five dollars for daily pass. We'll give you all the fantasy football advice that you need to help you win some money this coming season and help you get the decisive edge over your opponent. I don't know, Matt. How about that softball to me, huh? I will personally help you draft your team, personally. I I don't know. Does this all-access pass also give uh, advice how to bet on games, too? That's a great question, son. I'm so glad you asked. These PFN all-access pass, profootballnetwork.com, does give expert advice on gambling. And not only do we give expert advice, but we also bet our own money on said advice and also post our receipts to show you that we bet on that and our winnings based on our own advice as well. So yes, we don't just talk the talk. We walk the walk. Thank you. I should should be a salesman. That was not planned by the way. For those of you who stayed with us through that little infomercial, that was, this was not (laughs) planned. You're like the sham wow guy. That's right. <laughs> the little uh, Kirby vacuums, you know. Let's get it, guys. Let's get it. That All right. Good. Dolphins versus yeah. Jaguars next Thursday evening, week three. Brian Flores says Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to get the start. We'll see if that holds true as they head into another week of practices. We'll be back with you starting Monday morning for our next episode of Finsider Daily. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Solo episodes Friday morning. We'll have the group episode following the Dolphins game against the Jaguars. Until then... Stay with us on Twitter at Kanata PFN at Houtson at A Sutton PFN for Joshua Houtson, Aaron Sutton. I am Matt Kanata. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're
Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.